Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every month we deep dive into a different aspect of cinemas, directors, actors, genres, or franchises. It doesn't matter, because it's always fun at the Film Club. I'm Dean. I'm Becky. And this month we're talking about David Lynch, and this week we're talking about... Mulholland Drive. And to talk about Mulholland Drive, we have a guest on today. Why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, Hello. Um, My name is Thomas Edward. Uh, Good friend of you guys. Um, I've been looking forward to this for... A while. A while. <laughs> Especially this one. When you told me you guys were doing a, a lynch month, I'm like, hmm, I feel like considering my, my ripe old age and the fact that I saw it opening night in Westwood. Wow. I'm like, I'm going to, I mean, I was a, a baby. I was 19 at the time. But uh, no, and this this is one of my all-time favorites. It's definitely in my top five depending on or and you know, no it's 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 for sure in my top 10 absolutely so and i have i have so much to say too well i mean mahal drive is it, it is like the lynch movie yeah it's, it's pretty like definitive it's like this and blue velvet yeah but miss boo becky yeah. over yes. there yes this is your first time seeing mahal drive it is my first time seeing oh this movie. i didn't know that haven't seen it before. Haven't seen too many Lynch movies before, so I, that's that's what this month kind of is—is is a one hundred and one for me. I I kind of envy you. Like I- anytime uh, someone says, "Oh, I can't believe you haven't seen this," I always get excited. I'm like, "Oh, that means I get to show that," or because I like watching people mm-hmm. watch movies that I love. So seeing their reaction. Like I, I know you guys had had uh, Dylan Ellison here on more one occasion. I showed him Mulholland Drive for the first time at his studio, and he loved it. And I feel proud that I did that. <laughs> so, o- opposite of Dean, where he shames you if you've never seen the movie before. What do you mean you've never seen this movie? How have you never seen this weird movie from the '30s? What is wrong with you? I, I get excited because then it's an opportunity to watch someone experience something for the first time. So I mean, what? I'm curious. I know we're getting started, but just in general, what did you think? Uh, I mean, I was, you know, captivated by it. I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, it's got my attention. Um, I did a little bit of research before, so I was like, oh, cool. It's a spinoff from Twin Peaks. I love Twin Peaks. And then, you know, it's a David Lynch movie, so I was pissed off in the end once we... (laughs) We got to the ending. I was like, wow, thank you, David. Well, once it gets weird, you're like, what the fuck is this? Well, not even the weirdness. Just, you know, okay, that's how it ends. Done. And I'm like, no, I had to sit up and read, you know, what does it mean? And then I was like, oh, okay, I'm still pissed off. <laughs> well, because the, I believe the only other Lynch movie you've seen is Eraserhead, which Eraser- was like a third movie. Yes, our third movie on the podcast. Yes. My I, first David Lynch movie. Nice. I was like, oh, you're going to let me pick the movie we watch? If you can do Eraserhead, you could do anything. Yeah. Different than Eraserhead? Oh, yeah. L- like, leaps, leaps and bounds different. Because yeah. this is probably my f- third or fourth time watching Mulholland Drive in its entirety. And I, th- I think it gets better every watch. Yes, I agree. It, it's one of those movies where like every time you watch it, you notice something more. The themes mm-hmm. get a little bit better. I saw you make that face. All right. So, I, so what? What is the? I I wrote notes, and I never. I'm not a big note guy. Same. But 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 I did. What rewatches this for you? Because you said because you saw this in the theater, right? Yeah, I saw this in the theater. What I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen this. I'm a re, especially like in my favorite 
movie list. Like I just rewatch those all the time and I just analyze them. Like, you know, and this is one of them. So mm-hmm. dozens of times, dozens. And I feel like I'm still a little low on that. I've rewatched this, especially when it came out on DVD forever ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, I had a similar reaction to you mm-hmm. when I watched it for the first time. I left I left a theater like at two in the morning with my ex. I'm just like, I mean, that I was amazed, but I was like, I have no idea what the hell I just watched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when it came out and I, I bought the DVD also in Westwood at the uh, there was obviously a Tower Records there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I bought it there. I don't know how many times I rewatched it, but it took a while. And this was way. I mean, yeah, the internet existed. Yeah. Yeah. But there wasn't any. There were no video essays. There yeah. were no deep analyzed I mean, stuff. I so I had to kind of try to. I mean, it's Lynch, so you can't completely figure out a Lynch film. Not entirely. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I got it. And I I still haven't looked up any explain the ending yeah. type thing. So I'm just assuming I got it right. And we could discuss it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to look up anything, but I was just so mad. I'm like, I need no, to yeah. know because it's a David Lynch <laughs> movie. So it's not black and white. It's going to no. come at you, you know, in like invisible ink. It's going to be something completely off the wall or it's written backwards. It's like, yeah, I need to know. I mean, that's something we got to get into before we even get into the movie is Lynch as a director because his style, I am not sure if Lynch is a genius, a madman, a fool because it. I have this idea that everything he's putting on screen, there's a purpose to it, but he has no idea what it is until he gets to the editing bay because I know with like Blue Velvet, there's like an hour of deleted scenes where he's like, well, this didn't really work out, so I just kind of winged it and found the movie in the editing bay. It's yeah. me, Gordon Cole. It's Gordon so, Cole. So, in relation to that, excuse me. Um, you can take a drink real quick if you want. No, no, that was my throat. Um, in relation to that, um, I forgot, because, you know, he's big with Q&As. Like, he doesn't mind having, like, an audience there asking him questions. I don't know how, I mean, he still, he had gray hair, so he was older, so this was. Yeah. Some point in the may, my guess was like late two thousands, early twenty tens. Mm-hmm. Someone, another Lynch fan, asked him about uh, the significance of him always having his characters walk in or walk out from darkness. Mm-hmm. And he started. He went in this mini tirade of, "I think it means this and this." And Lynch's response, I'll never forget this. He said, "I like seeing people." walk out of the darkness and end that's of it, discussion yeah. that, that's all that, he said like mm-hmm. he just liked though he likes the way it, i mean i'm assuming that all that means was he likes the way it looks mm-hmm. so i feel like sometimes some of his decisions are just i like this and i and he i know he's also said he doesn't always he doesn't feel that films always need to make sense Thank you. This takes me back to the early days of the podcast where Dean would, you know, drill me. But what does this movie mean? What does it mean? And I'm like, it's just, you know, it could be a personal preference of the writer, the director. It could just be, I'm just making the movie because I want to make the movie. And Dean's like, no, it has to have an answer. Well, it it started making more sense after I started looking at stuff like Sinlunomet's book, Making Movies, right? Where he's explaining like, oh, there's these shots in Ron and Kurosawa movies. And he's like, they're so beautiful. And he asked Kurosawa, how'd you compose that? He's like... If I was three inches to the left, you would see the Tokyo airport. Three inches to the right, you would see the chemical plant, and it wouldn't work in the shot. Yeah. And I was like, 
Oh, so yeah, I guess like a lot of this interpretation shit is directors are kind of just figuring this shit out on the day. Yeah. And Lynch is like the fucking master of this because I, I don't know if you've, have you seen Inland Empire? Yes. Okay. Uh, boo, do you know Inland Empire? Yes, you talk about it all the time. Okay. <laughs> that movie is the definition of fuck it, we'll figure it out in post. Yeah. Because that movie is so weird and labyrinthian and it's like just these almost unrelated sequences and it just kind of makes sense eventually. But but yeah. then you're like, oh, and one scene in particular, I'm sure we're thinking of the same one without giving anything away. When you think, oh, it's this. But then you're like, oh, wait, no, it, I don't think that's what it was. But okay. I, I feel like, especially for Lynch, that's the whole point is it's up to us and it's a personal thing. I mean, with some exceptions, I do feel like Mulholland Drive is kind of his one of his most accessible films as far as I mean, with, you know, like exception of like straight story, something where it's Elephant Man. Yeah, <laughs> Elephant Man. Uh, I, I, oh, they're all amazing. But as far as when he gets Lynchian, I feel like Mulholland Drive is his most accessible Mm-hmm. Which is weird to say, because again, I feel like anyone who's seen it has a similar reaction to like, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> like, it's what? like the <laughs> first ninety minutes was like this really interesting mystery. What the fuck was the last thirty minutes about? Yeah. Just that flip. It was just yeah. like what? And it's a, it's a hard flip. <laughs> yeah, and, and then at the end, especially, it gets harder. Okay, I mean, those old people in the end terrified me. Yeah. I probably no, shouldn't have watched that in the dark. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give everybody the basic back-of-the-box synopsis so they have a vague idea of what the fuck the movie's about, and then we'll get into, like, I guess, scene-by-scene beat that is just wild. But for those wondering what Mulholland Drive is about, it is about Betty, a small-town girl with stars in her eyes as she looks for her big break in Hollywood. But what she finds is a mysterious brunette with amnesia. Perfect setup to your mystery thriller. And fuck, where was I? All right. Yes. Oh, here we go. Mysterious brunette with amnesia that calls herself Rita. And as Betty and Rita try to unravel Rita's true identity, the wheels of the movie business turn as a hapless director is forced to cast an unknown woman in his film. And these stories intertwine until the pair of women find Club Silencio. I Wait, I'm not saying it seductively enough. Silencio. There you go. And their Hollywood dream turns into a nightmare. And then it gets really fucking weird, and I ain't trying to parse <laughs> that shit out. All right. When it starts getting into the weird, is this a dream or is she jerking off to like ghost? I, I don't know how to write that. That gets weird. I was just like, wow, the arms in the movie. The arms? The arm. Oh, oh, yeah. Very weird. Also, I got the I like the Twin Peaks reference. Yes. I don't know that actor's name. Uh, his name is I have the cast Michael J. Anderson. Michael, J- I saw an interview with him when they were doing Twin Peaks, or I think they were doing an interview when they were asking about Twin Peaks, and he's like, "Oh, I walked in the editing room one day, and you know, I'm curious what David was doing, and he looks in, and David's like, this shot right here, I think it means something.'" And I'm like, I'm pretty sure David Lynch is just figuring this shit yeah. out. I, I think he's, his true genius as an auteur is the power to wing it like a god. I was just thrown that he wasn't talking backwards. That that was very mm-hmm. off-putting. It, it was. It kind of scared me. It was, was off-putting. Like, he was, was talking like, normal. It scared that he was talking normal. Yeah, I was like, I'm so used to he's talking backwards. And now he's talking normal. But 
Uh, granted, this is a very Lynchian cast because we have like Balthazar Getty who was in yeah. Lost Highway before this. Angelo uh, Badalamenti. Mm-hmm. He's one of the Italian men. He's also the composer mm-hmm. for most of David Lynch's movies and Twin Peaks. We we also have uh, Billy Ray Cyrus. You know, he shows up. That was, I think, the biggest. <laughs> like, what the huh? fuck yeah. for me? <laughs> Just like Billy Ray, Achy Breaky's here. Yeah. Still breaking those hearts. Six degrees between Miley Cyrus and David Lynch. Only need one. <sighs> Only yeah. need one. But yeah, so how would you even try and describe Mulholland Drive to somebody in a in a pitch, right? Because it, it is like this mystery noir thing, and then it gets really surreal, but like what's actually happening in the movie let, feels let so disjointed. You, there. you have a really good David Lynch impression, so mm-hmm. I think you should give your elevator pitch of, you know, Mulholland Drive. Yeah, let's hear this. Well, the whole point is we're going to find these two hot broads out on Mulholland Drive, and they're going to have some money, and then we're going to get really R-rated about halfway through, and then, you know, we'll figure it out in post. Because I'm David fucking Lynch. I mean, that's that's my elevator pitch. Y- your thoughts? It's It's probably not that far from reality i mean i i feel like at that point in his career the studios are like just you know go ahead like do whatever you want yeah for all we know like he gave him like a very very basic super basic synopsis and they're like if that's not gonna be what it is but okay dave just go ahead do what you do what you need to do and they're like oh my god that's what it is (laughs) yeah so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if his pitch was super simple but as we know, wasn't so simple. Mm-hmm. But then, again, after years and years of trying to figure it out, again, I mean, outside of his Lynchian symbolisms that he throws in there, I feel like it's pretty straightforward, <laughs> all things considered. And then once you figure out those clues, I feel anyway, mm-hmm. it becomes even more obvious. Like, how did I not notice this the first time? I At mean- least for me. I'm kind of in the same boat because, you know, you see it multiple times, you start picking up things. But I'm interested in, in you know, Boo over here, since this is your first time going, what did you get a sense about the movie? You know, what what did you think it was, you know, about, man? I was just trying to hold on for the ride. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, it's not like it's a really fast-paced movie. It moves, you know, a yeah. little bit slower. So you're able to kind of absorb things. But it was just, it's Lynchian, so... You're not really going to understand everything on the first go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm walking away from it that I would watch it again. Oh, shit. That's good. So she that's she didn't gonna... say this about Eraserhead. Wow. Yeah, you know, I'm one and done on Eraserhead, but I would watch Mulholland Drive again. Um, yeah, but I mean, I thought it was cool, but weird. I mean, I this is this is an interesting point. It is cool, but weird. But Thomas, you mentioned, you know that how it's in kind of two parts and all this other stuff did you know like the original origin story from a holland drive no i didn't okay so originally it was supposed to be a, a pilot mm-hmm. for a tv show mm-hmm. and it was supposed to be a spin-off of twin peaks it was supposed to star uh Sherilyn fenn from twin peaks yes. who played audrey horn mm-hmm. and i guess she couldn't do it so they were like oh we're gonna just have no naomi watts and we're gonna like do a kind of a twin peaks he knew david lynch spinoff yeah and I think he finishes the pilot, whatever that 90-ish minute is, shows it to the studio, and they're like, yeah, we're not picking this up. And he's like, ah, fuck it. So he just <laughs> makes the rest of the movie and turns it into this feature. And like, I'm wondering, so did you feel that? Did you feel this is 
like is there like a real switch point in this where it goes from being a tv pilot to a feature see i never for me no and this is one of the films that i outside of like looking at like the behind the scenes footage of lynch just working Mm -hmm. and on the onset stuff i never like looked into the making or the backstory of this so this is surprising to me because i never felt that way because I guess for Lynch, like I never felt like I needed to look up anything because it's Lynch. Yeah, I'm like I'll just take it for what it is. Uh, but no, that's that's surprising to hear. Uh, but thinking about it, it makes it makes sense. Yeah, I could totally see Audrey Horn going to Hollywood, trying mm-hmm. to be an actress, getting mm-hmm. involved in something, something crazy. <laughs> I mean, we had her with Billy Zane in Twin in Twin Peaks. So yeah. I mean, anything's possible, you know. Yeah. Mulholland no, Drive for Audrey Horn is totally possible. Yeah, and I get, I mean, for me, it kind of makes sense because if you notice the first, like, half of the movie, there's no swearing. There's no nudity no, for, like, not. the first half. And then and then when tits show up, then it gets weird and surreal. <laughs> when you get the out-of-nowhere um, lesbian lovemaking scene, which, really weird. I mean, I picked up that something was going on between the two of them. Yeah, I did, too. I mean, at the time, you know, 19, I thought it was, you know, it came out of nowhere. (laughs) But especially rewatching it, because as you mentioned, every every time it's like um, upon every rewatch, you get a different reaction. For me, like last night, I had my biggest emotional reaction. I was tearing up at the end. Wow. Uh, Yeah. uh, But a lot of that is, you know, again, us putting our own personal um experiences mm-hmm. with you know film so but yeah now like you said and i like that you kind of caught up and you're like okay well i can kind of feel something between the two of them mm-hmm. before you know essentially the the, the love making scene uh so again it makes more sense now and also considering what essentially the majority of the you know the the film is it makes sense mm-hmm. why it's feels a little abrupt Considering, especially what is revealed in the last thirty-ish minutes of the film, so but again, I can understand the first couple of times seeing it, you could be like, "Where, where's well, this coming from?" Well, well, my <laughs> thing was just Virgin Betty there in her pajamas, and then Chad Rita comes in. It's time for bed. Takes yeah. a towel off and just straight <laughs> no, yeah, it, nude it, it and is, just crawls it in. It is abrupt again. <laughs> and I'm like, one, like, wait a minute, wait. <laughs> Not even like a shirt, <laughs> not an just, oversized shirt or something. I'm like, it there's not even rough. underwear on. Just like, <laughs> yeah. She's like, just come to bed. It's fine. She's like, oh, okay. Takes <laughs> off the wig. Takes yeah. off the towel. Yeah, but I, I guess if you think about it, the even the you know, considering the mood of essentially the first like the first two acts, like I feel like it's more of a two act story. Like you have Act One, which is without giving it without before we dive into it we're we're, we're gonna dive into it right after this don't worry yeah and then the second act is when things take a turn i always felt that way that is more of a two-act structure i mean you you can squeeze the first two and then three but i always felt like because they're they're two different stories but yeah it is abrupt you're like wait like just that's it like it's it's kind of we go into full soft core right yeah, here. Yeah, just like it's it's very soft core pornish all of a sudden. But again, all things considered, it makes more sense. Again, I feel once like you figure out what's really going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I forgot I was watching a David Lynch movie until we get to Silencia. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck. I'm like, this is a David oh, Lynch no, then movie. Then it gets, that's when it, 
yeah, it starts to that's when reveal the, itself. That's when the full tonal switch happens. Yeah, because I was like, oh, you know, they found each other, and this is nice, and they're trying to solve a mystery, and I'm like, oh, no, it's not going to be yeah. nice. So, like, <laughs> no. We're going to get some weird shit in here. But let's 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 dive into this a little bit, right? How how do we want to approach this? Do we want to just go like from beginning to end and we just kind of rattle off or do you want to throw out the theories first? It's it, up to you. It's your month. Oh, it is my month. All right, so the movie opens with a a very fun jitterbug montage. Mm-hmm. And there's some weird <laughs> some overexposed stuff. Yeah, this going by the book is going to be kind of weird. So, yeah, Betty arrives in Hollywood and she's it's got, bright it's and, beautiful people are smiling she is you know the again starstruck actress coming into hollywood that's how i should have known that there was something wrong mm-hmm. as <laughs> small town girl lonely world mm-hmm. giant smile oh well she said she was canadian like that makes sense mm-hmm. she's very happy to be here yeah uh, she's like ah finally hollywood and she's gonna stay at her aunt something's house and as this is happening, Irene. this Irene, Aunt Irene, and there's a car crash on Mulholland Drive, mysterious. Somebody's going to kill Rita, but she survives and wanders from, you know, the hills down into the valley. And Which they kind of going to be a long hike. I was going to say that 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 that's one hell of a like watching. I'm like, oh wow, it's she has a head injury. That's <laughs> she just survived crash. <laughs> she's in heels. I I'm pretty sure that's I, that's a tough walk. I mean, considering Mulholland Drive. We pass it whenever we go to Universal Studios. So it's mm-hmm. like, you're up in the mountains. Mm-hmm. And then just, yeah, I'm going to walk all the way back to Sunset Boulevard. Like, really? That is like, that is a, uh, a, a outdoorsy kind of person's hike, yeah. right? But the opening of the movie, right? Where it's these two separate stories. They're going to, and they come mm-hmm. together once, you know, Betty finds Rita chilling at the apartment, right? Because she just wanders into the first open door. Well, yeah. I mean, she, you know, finds her in the shower. Yes. She's not just like chilling in the apartment. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah, you know, I know Irene. <laughs> this is how I, I get a feeling that Betty is very naive. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Like, oh, you oh. you finished showering. It's yeah. okay. Just, she starts, what's your name? Like, I'm in the shower. It's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm literally naked. Please yeah. give me a moment. I'm naked. I can't talk right now. But the, the this is like the opening of the movie, right? We get the two stories, small town girl coming into Hollywood and this mysterious a person of like status, right? Cuz she she's Rita seems like wealthy or well off or what something like that. She's in the back like of the limo. Back yeah. of the limo and she is now cast out of this high class status and just kind of wandering Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What what sense are you getting out of the opening of the movie? I I I remember seeing it for the first time and just feeling like why is the acting is it feels very soap opera y mm-hmm. and over the top. I'm like like you know, especially when 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 she arrives at the airport, it's like <laughs> okay, like the dialogue to deliver, like, okay, Irene, won't that be the day? Like it, just it reminds me of the room. <laughs> yes, it's it's very it's room ish. You're like and now it just again when you watch it for the first time, the first few times, like, why is it so off? Especially mm-hmm. the old couple in the they're they're in their limo, just that, yeah. that slap. <laughs> she, you know that that slap. They're like, what is happening? Why are they? I mean, I had my theories on 
what they i mean i have you know i have a bunch of shit in here yeah. just like, <laughs> sir start going off man this is why we brought you you have the book here yeah uh i again i i feel like this is one of those things where it's i mean most of this is i feel like up to personal interpretation i always felt like the old the for me personally the old some the old couple symbolized uh false hopes and guilt overwhelming guilt especially the ending uh, but that's just me. I'm curious as to what the two of you think the the old couple mm. maybe symbolizes, if you have a theory, that is. For the old couple, because my general interpretation of the movie is that it's this story of, like, if Sunset Boulevard, which this is very much, like, cribbing from and referencing to, yeah. Sunset Boulevard is about, like, has-beens. This movie is the is a story about have-nots. And I feel Betty is, you know, this actress, and a lot of the story is her being like, oh, I could have been somebody if the mysterious power of Hollywood didn't work against me, and all these other stuff. And the old couple, I kind of felt, were her ego. Her ego is like, you can do this. And at the end, her ego is crashing down on her, being like, like you could never do this. That's like the vibe I got. Uh, what about you? I'm Ms. still Mo- terrified by them. <laughs> You're <laughs> just like, they're terrified. Yeah, it's like... And, and they seem like just this nice older couple you would see at like a diner, but it, yeah. the, the weird smiles are just so off-putting. Especially when they break into the apartment and they're just, you know, chasing her to the bedroom as she's trying to fight them off. It and... doesn't help how they get in there. Yeah. <laughs> when they crawl underneath the, yeah. the, the door um, yeah. jam. Yeah. So it's like, I, I really haven't been able to figure out what they are to me. It's just, I'm kind of traumatized. <laughs> for that scene. This is why we bring you on. You get, you get that real emotional yeah, reaction for the these crap movies. Out of me. Yeah. And I love old people. I was just like, no, don't do this to me. <laughs> no, right off the bat. You're like, something's, something's not right here. And, and that's the thing from beat one. It's weird mm-hmm. from the, like, cause I think the first image we get after the jitterbug contest is, this floaty image with the camera and it crashes into a pillow, right? Yes. And, th- and that's like, oh, we're, this is going to be a dream, you know, the Hollywood dream, the Hollywood this, or this is a I'm dream. I'm wondering, are they supposed to be like, you know, Hollywood, like as a monster? It's like, you know, it's inviting, it's warm, you know, come in, come in, mm. and then it just eats you up. Oh, that's... Never thought of that. I like that. That's in, That goes into... Because I, I wrote this down. It's like the Hollywood have-nots, but it's also like this boulevard of broken dreams, you know, mm-hmm. like... Hollywood is like Hollywood is paved with the broken dreams of young actors mm-hmm. and actresses who have come here and like the old people as that like as that symbolizing or symbol symbolization I speak English I swear to God because <laughs> they're both very sweet to her when they're saying their goodbyes at the airport and it's you know I believe in you and it's this kind of you know this false hope of yeah you know come in you could be a star you could be anybody and then it's like nope we're gonna chew you up and spit you out before you could e- before you can even realize what's happening to mm-hmm. you thoughts thoughts uh, yeah i i like both of your interpretations like 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 a combination of all three makes sense a perfect sense mm-hmm. i guess if, if anything we all kind of sort of said the same thing just using different words obviously but just like yeah look uh but <laughs> you know hollywood as we do know is insanely can be insanely brutal mm-hmm. especially once you get into the nitty-gritty so yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense. But I mean, they still terrify me to this day. I have a feeling if we were able to ask David Lynch, he'd probably be like, 
It just looked cool. Yeah, it could have been something <laughs> if as you, simple as that. If you asked him, so what do the old people symbolize? What do you mean symbolize? They just, they're creepy. Yeah. They're just creepy. <laughs> I met them at a poker tournament. They're creepy. Yeah. I Because mean, in talking about like Hollywood, that like, you know, nature of it being kind of brutal. We, I think after this is where we get the first images of um, the director character, played by Balthazar Sargetti, who, Kush, Kushner? Is that his last, is that the character's name? Wait. Oh, oh, you mean Justin Thoreau? Justin Thoreau. Oh God! Yeah. I, I'm, got, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking yeah, about the, I'm talking about the wrong person. Yeah, yeah Justin Thoreau. Uh, what's his What's his character's name? Uh, Adam. 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 Adam Kesher. Adam Kesher. Yeah. That's when we first get him, and he's having this meeting with these Hollywood exact studio people and the mysterious nature of Hollywood, and that's when we're getting the the man from another place speaking forwards. So it's even more creepy. I love that character. It it just. This mysterious man that controls all of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And, and he's in, in one room. scene. Yeah. Two scenes. Two scenes? Mm-hmm. Two scenes. Two scenes. Yeah. And this is like the I is this like people like David Lynch is like, oh, this is people's idea of what Hollywood is. It's all these backroom dealings where there's yeah. the mysterious mm-hmm. forces of Hollywood working against you. But I'm well, what is your vibe from from this? Cause this cause we already start with like this mystery, right? Rita, Betty, who's this girl? And this is just another layer on top of that that mm-hmm. I feel is almost non-related. I see. I, I, I think everything in the first act slash two acts, everything is related to what happens at the end. When they, after things mm-hmm. take that turn. Mm-hmm. I feel like all of this is just things not working in Adam's favor, considering what happens later. Um, I feel like the only way for me to like talk about it is to tell you what I think essentially the entire film is, or both, both, uh, all of it, I guess. We brought you on the podcast for okay. a reason. Yeah, 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 I was, you can yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I wasn't sure if you wanted... Full no, fucking no, no. spoilers, man. I wasn't sure if yeah. you... No, I mean... This movie is 22 <laughs> years old. You're This movie is old enough to drink. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give you the rubbins real quick. Uh, yeah. Go no, ahead. Um, what, what do you think the movie is yeah, about? Yeah, I wasn't sure if you wanted to wait until like, oh, this is what I think it is. So, uh, yes, it's it's a dream. Yeah, and then she wakes up. The hey, pretty girl, time to wake up. He literally says, "Wake up!" Yeah, yeah. And everything after that are a series of flashbacks, for the most part, of everything that led her to having that dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so F- fully agree. Yeah. Um. Uh. And considering Adam, this director, very eccentric, well-respected director that has a lot of power already, um, takes takes the girl from her. Yeah. Pretty much. And but was the girl really hers? No, I think <laughs> it. I think it was just a physical thing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of one sided. Um, but uh, uh, Diane, like I refer to them as two different characters. So Diane was madly in love with Camilla, but Camilla was like, it's purely a sexual thing. I mean, we even get that in the um, Betty Rita part where yeah. where they're playing yeah. their dream characters. Where yeah. Betty's the one that's like, I love you, and Rita's like. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah, okay. Keep let's let's yeah. just keep this uh keep like, this physical. Even in her dreams. Even in her dreams. She like, still wasn't hers. Yeah. Yeah. So uh but then that and then the mystery woman or I guess in in the dream, the Camilla Kam- dream, the blonde, she shows up at that party, she gives her a kiss like this it's just I feel bad. I mean, Diane is already a little mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost everyone in Hollywood is. Let's yeah. be honest. You have to be crazy to do that. 
no matter who you are, director, actor, you got to be crazy to do that. It's it's fucking true. You have to. You have to be a little crazy, and I respect that. We're all so, a little crazy. Yeah, we all we're go all a little, little crazy, sometimes. and it's fine. So, did you just throw a psycho reference? Absolutely. Out? <laughs> Any day that I can, I will. I respect that. Strong, Thank you. Strong psycho yeah. reference. But yeah, uh, and just like imagine being at that party, and just and I've been in not those exact circumstances where in the past when i was younger you have feelings for someone else and they just don't feel the same mm-hmm. way but then you're just a witness to their shit and you and feel your heart breaking you, you just like hurt naomi's performance i mean i fell in love with naomi watts the moment i i left the theater like just like who is i never saw her anything before this mm-hmm. so i'm like holy shit who is this well this was like her breakout yeah, role no, it was so but that scorn that she that she performs in that scene in particular later on at that party is insane. Like I've felt that mm-hmm. like just, and I've seen the behind the scenes of her working with David and just how David directs and how she was taking direction and how she was putting her own things on it just blew me. I mean, to this day, like I get chills, I get chills thinking about it. Like literally I just, <laughs> and I just watched it last, like less than like 10 hours ago. I'm, so the real like goosebumps moment of this movie is when she does the audition. Yes. Yeah. The audition's amazing. Cause that, that happens that, like right after this, right? Like right. It, it happens after it's, it's like really early on in the movie, but yeah, they do the audition before she meets Kessler. Or yes. Kersher. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, but that, that fucking audition scene, Jesus Christ. Yeah, Cause it, it out of nowhere, like all that cheese, in the dream is like gone during the audition. You're like because it, it's cute and funny when her and uh, what's her name uh, Rita. Rita, they're, you were there when they're yeah. reading the 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 scenes over together, and it's just you know they're laughing because it's like cheesy. dinner theater. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very you know pulpy and cheesy. But you know when she gets into the studio, it's like you know a complete 180, and she mm. is just you know I'm focused in and I'm giving my Oscar worthy performance. Yeah, and I love the director is just like terrible <laughs> director gives the worst yeah. direction he's like huh like don't like until it gets real like they're all like huh like what all right i i also love how like idealistic this audition is where it's just like oh yeah so the director's going to be there the producer's going to be there you're going to yeah. have the real actor you're going to be acting across oh here's this other agent here who's just here for the love of the craft yeah like what like, that's, that's i don't think i've i've seen and done auditions where it's just like it is it is you in a white blank room with some other guy who just does not want to be there who's yeah. just here to like listen to you yeah oh god it's almost going into like her dream is like this is the dream scenario. You're in, you're in their you're in his office and mm-hmm. it's just perfect. And then and then the other execs are like, we're gonna take you to this other film because mm-hmm. you were so amazing. Just like it, it, but yeah, just that change. You're like, wait, why is it all of a sudden like it went from cheesy to this? Mm-hmm. And it gets it, it gets just the way the tone starts changing as the film progresses is insane but you i mean you at first you miss it at least i did the first time uh, with the exception of after she wakes up pretty mm-hmm. much but yeah that yeah so her scorn i'm bouncing all over the place it's okay yeah her, well, welcome to the podcast <laughs> yeah don't worry do i want to talk about the cowboy in a minute no no i oh yeah that's <laughs> Like I was gonna say, like the cowboy seems one of my favorite in the films, in the film. So, uh, yeah. So I again, 
uh it's a it, most of it's a dream again like just the pillow her first the, the point of view of the pillow mm-hmm. just like oh going to sleep yeah it's, and it's, then it's a dream it's like the first shot it's like the first shot's the jitterbug contest and that's the only like concrete like this is the same in both dream and like post dream sequence but the first real shot is when she crashes into the pillow i think yeah. that's if people think this isn't a dream like you're you're missing a, a yeah, lot that's why i said like just like like how did i not catch yeah. like she's laying down and then hey pretty girl time to wake up like if she wakes up like oh she's up she's up now but then, I mean, it throws more loops at you. But again, like after she wakes up after her, you know, her neighbor barges in and she walks into the kitchen and then it's she's like the the, the angles change completely because she's envisioning herself. Essentially, Camilla uh, survived and came mm-hmm. back because and she's like, you're like, wait, why wasn't she just there? Why is she standing there? Mm-hmm. It's just. I feel like a lot of us have visualized scenarios like that mm-hmm. when we're going through something difficult, at least for me anyway. Yeah. So, I, I mean, when I first saw this, I was like, why did they? But it makes more and more sense. I feel as time goes on. Uh, I don't just I feel like the more I've watched this and the older I've gotten, the more the more and more I relate to it. Because I'm one of those weirdos that remembers almost every dream I've ever had yeah, in my same. life. Going back to when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of the films I want to make is just me trying to re- to make nightmares I've had when I was a kid. So, don't know how the fuck I'm going to do that. But anyway, <laughs> so just, just, just how the whole, the, the whole essentially, you know, um, uh, three quarters of the film is a dream. I'm like, yeah, this feels like a fucking dream. And like very much so. And it, it even goes into um something interesting about it where it's just like it has this weird dream logic. Like all the acting, like the acting methodology changes from this point to the next point or from like the first two thirds to the last third. Like the acting changes, like it stops being that really stilted. It starts being a little bit more natural. Yeah. Um. But the other thing, you know, I want to talk about this. The one that makes it the most dreamy and weird is the cowboy. Yeah. Because the the cowboy scene, mm-hmm. you know, they're he's meeting um Kusher on top of like this bumfuck mountain. I I actually looked up where the fuck that is. It's oh, yeah. literally like if there's like the Hollywood sign and that ranch is like above it. Oh really? Yeah, it's oh, literally cool. they're meeting at the top of Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna talk about locations, I'm pretty sure where Adam, you know, smashes up the car with the golf club. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that's over by the last bookstore. <clears throat> oh really? As soon as that scene happens and he pulls up, I'm like, I've seen that you know parking yeah. sign i'm like i'm like i'm sure we've walked by that building to get to the last bookstore and i was like i'm trying to focus on the scene but i'm like oh my god we've been there to go buy books and dvds this is awesome i'm I, no the best part is looking at it and you see the parking sign in the back a dollar 75 an hour and i'm like oh, i wish yeah oh sweet we, nice. different yeah. times my friends different oh, yeah. times but that that scene on top in the ranch where they're like you have to go meet the cowboy and he's like who the fuck's yeah, the cowboy like, this is a joke it just any any fucking comes rocks out of the darkness and as he rocks out the lights all come mm-hmm. on and i'm like oh he's like this guy's like the real power of hollywood and i'm i'm wondering cuz i think what he is represented of is he's you know that power of hollywood he's fame he's celebrity right i mean hollywood was started with westerns that's true yeah. he's he's literally wearing gene autry's clothes is he i think so hmm. i think that hat and everything like that cuz the the actor who's portraying him he's like a, just a producer friend of david lynch's yeah 
and he just he's a movie buff so he's like i own like gina hawtrey's like cowboy hat and he's like oh can you wear that that sounds really cool <laughs> so he wore that during the thing so that's like old school original like hollywood star yeah. shit right there mm-hmm. but it's like i think he like that's what he's talking to you know the director he's like He's talking to old Hollywood. He's yeah. He yeah. And I he's love like, that. You know, I've chosen the the star. The light goes out. The cowboy's gone. Yeah. And it's just kind of like you're looking for him. They're just focused in on the fence. Like, well, where'd he go? Where'd he go? Yeah. It. That's that. That's probably my favorite scene because he's also like, how about you really think about it? And yeah. Stop being a smart Aleck. <laughs> you're too busy being a smart Alec to be thinking. No, I love that scene. And it just. And he. It's funny because again the whole dream association thing. We see him later on in the the dinner flashback. Mm -hmm. He's just a guy in the background. Just passes. That's all our brain needs to put someone in a dream and add all of this association to it. Kind of reminded me of like The Doors, the um, Val Kilmer movie. Yeah, yeah. Where where you have death just reappearing and showing up at different Mm -hmm. points in his life. And I was kind of like, well, that's kind of like the cowboy. Yeah. Yeah. And the the same thing, like my all-time favorite scene, Jumping Around... Mm -hmm. Is the winky scene in the beginning? You mean fake Denny's? Okay. Fake Denny's, yeah. The, this, I, there's no fucking way this this was definitely like we were gonna put it in the TV show for the pilot and then fuck that storyline. That's what happened with this winky scene because it is it is these two guys. It's eyebrows and not eyebrows sitting in a booth, <laughs> and eyebrows is telling not eyebrows. I had this weird dream last night where we were in this Winkies and you were there and then I looked behind me and then you were over there and you were scared and there's somebody behind this thing and he's like, well, let's go figure it out and then it's the fucking dream he just explained. Cool scene, but this is not related to the fucking movie. This is not related to the narrative. Oh, Dean's getting those crazy eyes. See, okay, here, here. Let me get my tinfoil hat out. Here, I think, so, it's related, I think it's related in a distant way. It's just because we see him later on. We When, when, when Diane is in the Winkies, the real one. Mm-hmm. And she's with the hitman and she just sees that guy just yeah. there at the at the at the uh, at the front. That's all it takes. She glances at him, he looks at her. So she so her brain put all that together. I mean, I do think symbolically it is related to reality, just I hope that my nightmare doesn't come true. And it is. I think we need to talk about the hitman scene because I think that's one of the best scenes of the movie. Oh, it's great. It is top five funniest bits of the 2000 era films. It is (laughs) pure. Chaplin and Keaton would kill for this kind of comedic timing. It's great. I think in context, like for the dream, he's a hitman hired to kill Rita. In reality, Diane hired the hitman to kill Camilla. Is that, is that the general gist of what's going on? And in the dream, he is an incompetent buffoon. Yeah. And everything goes wrong. And even like, he shoots like three people on accident. The bodies just keep piling up. Yeah. The bodies keep piling up because he's, he's terrible. And even in the beginning, like him, I guess his boss or whoever, his friend Mm -hmm. that has the black book that he wants to get, they're laughing off the fact that the hit failed. Yeah. Like it's just a joke. I mean, I mean yeah, even the vacuum gets it. Yeah, even the vacuum. Yeah, the lights the place on fire. It's <laughs> like, ugh. So it's just because I, I subconsciously that's how Diane wished things went down. Because yeah. there is, I mean, she she commits suicide at the end out of the overwhelming guilt mm-hmm. of how everything turned out. But uh, and that goes to what what does the key open? 
<laughs> another <laughs> Pandora's yeah, box. <laughs> yeah. So <clears throat> yeah, no, I love, I love, I mean, it, it is hard to pick favorite scenes, but uh, you know, uh, the hitman scene in there. And I, I love the little detail of when he kills his friend, that guy, how the, his the hair, hair. Mm-hmm. the yeah. hair with the, with, with the blood at the end, that little detail, like, well, well, the hair like that, it looks like a holly bush with the little drop of blood on the ends of the hairs. Holly bush, Hollywood. What? You guys <laughs> wow, didn't see that? you are really <laughs> stretching this. Well, well, also, you notice how the hitman's eyes, in this scene only, he has two different colored eyes. One brown, one blue. Right? I did notice that. No, I didn't right? notice that. And I only noticed that this time. I never noticed that before. Nod to David Bowie. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Could, I mean, maybe. maybe. <laughs> I, I just like that we kind of get a Forrest Gump reference because, you know, you hear the screaming from the other room and he goes to, you know, take care of whoever, you know, got hit by the stray bullet. Mm-hmm. And she's like, man, something bit me. And she's, yeah. you know, she's trying to look at her butt. And I'm like, you know, we got Forrest Gump. Confirmed. Oh, something jumped up and bit me. David Lieutenant Lynch. Dan. Confirmed. David Lynch loves Forrest Gump. Well, I mean, this, I mean, this movie is a mixture of Wizard of Oz and uh, Sunset Boulevard. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I could see. Let's just throw in, you know, some other references. Why not? This movie is is really David Lynch loves Sunset Boulevard. I think he's mentioned that like yeah, very openly, right? This is almost like him being like, "I'm going to try and do a modern Sunset Boulevard instead of the old glory days. It's going to be the the young people who never made it." Like it's. Mm-hmm. Because he does like this, the opening where it's pointing at the sign of mm-hmm. Mulholland Drive. He's like, that's like cribbing straight from Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. You know, uh, when they go to the studio for the first time, there's literally the, the it, Sunset Boulevard car. Yeah. Well, the car and it's also Paramount. So it's, you know, same gate, same studio. Um, I mean, where we differ from Sunset, you know, obviously this movie's in color. But I mean, it's just got that dreamy glow to the studio when she gets yeah. out of the limousine or the, the taxi. And she's just looking at the gates. It's like, yeah, you know, you want to be there. You want to go through those gates and experience movie the, making. The magic of, of movie making. The, the so magic of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Man, this movie's just, this movie's weird. It's weird and really good. <laughs> it's wonderfully weird. Uh, but let me, let me see what else we got here. Okay. So you're of the opinion the movie, it's dream top to bottom, right? She kills herself at the end. Now I've heard a theory interpretation mm-hmm. i thought it was interesting it's not the holly bush again is it no. that was really rough <laughs> well it's, look i'm reaching here okay so we have the when rita and betty in the dream they go to the apartment building right that they're like i remember this good diana right and they knock on the door but where diana's apartment is supposed to be it's another woman there uh the brunette i um what was her name her uh, her neighbor? Yeah, her neighbor. I can't re- I can't recall her name, for the life of me. I don't even think it, I don't think it's mentioned. I don't th- I don't think a character says her name. Her name. I just referred to her as the neighbor. Okay, the neighbor. Oh, I'm I'm looking at IMDb yeah. and there's someone similar that looks like the neighbor mm-hmm. and it says Camilla Rhodes. So that could be the mm-hmm. real. Com- I'm I'm not sure, but yeah. the neighbor. The neighbor, yeah. yeah. So I've heard this where they go, they knock on the door, and it's the neighbor, right? And they're like, "Oh, I switched apartments with Diane," and then it's like this whole thing where the end of the movie, she's like getting her stuff from Diane and all this mm-hmm. other stuff, and it's like in the interpretation or the theory is that that neighbor is the actual Diane, and that Betty is that idealized or Diane in the real world is her idealized dreams of becoming a Hollywood actress mm-hmm. and that has to die for her to just live a normal life in Hollywood 
And the subsequent dream of dream of that is how her idealization has to die for her idealization to really die. It's one of those weird things where I saw this on one of those like psychology YouTube channels where I'm pretty sure the guy was stoned when he was giving it, but it was a convincing argument nonetheless. That, that That's kind of stoner-ish, a, a, a stoner-ish, speaking from experience, a stoner-ish theory. Like, whoa, what if, like just... I mean, I'm fine with that, but I feel like the dream thing makes more sense. Yeah. That and, a little, you know, it's more obvious. And, and these apartments also being the Snow White cottages in Los Angeles. So it's like it goes with more of, you know, that kind of dreamscape where, yeah. you know, it could have been perfect. It could have been, you know, yeah. our, our fairy tale. And then, you know, of course, you know, fairy tales always have tragedy in them. And mm-hmm. she's not able to escape that. Eh, you know, it was a cool theory. I thought. I mean, no, I no, it is cool. I well, I don't I believe in it. I just thought it was neato. No, it is neat, but I feel like the dream makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably. I'm assuming because you said you looked up stuff afterwards. Yeah. Is that more or less what? Pretty much, yeah. Okay, it's just yeah. it's it's a dream. I yeah. feel I feel kind of proud because I had to figure this shit out for myself way back then. It took like ten viewings. I mean, I wasn't gonna go to sleep until I figured it out. I no, was just I, I, I was understand. just that like you imagine know, I got, how I felt. Like, yeah, I was like, well, f- I'm fucked. Like, I can't. yeah, <laughs> go back to the theater the next day. Is like I got to figure this the fuck out. Yeah, we're doing this. <clears throat> if I had more time, I probably would have watched it a second time just to kind of you know pick up a little yeah. bit more. I'm, I'm glad you do want to watch it again though, because I mean. Because I've showed it to a bunch of people, and they're like, mm-hmm. I'm not watching that shit again. I don't know what the fuck I just watched. It, it is a divisive movie. It is. Because I, I know people say, like, th- this is like the Lynch movie, right? If you're going to show somebody a Lynch movie, just show them a Holland it's, Drive. It's a good start. But, like, this is, like, all, in my opinion, easy to get into it Lynch is. movie. It's yeah. not fucking Eraserhead. It's yeah. not yeah. Lost Highway. I think Lost Highway is harder to watch than this. Yeah, it is. Fucking Inland Empire impossible to watch yeah, that's like that's where that's where you stop <laughs> yeah like if, if you made it through all the other stuff you stop with inland, inland empire. empire yeah and it's like and it's one of those things where like people at the time really did think this movie oh masterpiece this is lynch's best work and then there's an equal there's a very loud and equal amount of people who say no he's a hack and this is the most hacky thing he's ever made <laughs> and i mean like I'm looking at like the box office, looking at the Oscars and stuff like that, and I'm okay. This movie cost fifteen million dollars to make. You know, it was a pilot. They had to turn turn it into a feature like halfway through, and okay, fifteen million dollars, fine. Yeah, makes twenty million dollars at the box office. Financially, not super successful, but made its money back. Made mm-hmm. its money back and a little sum. Now, I want to take a shot. I want you to take a shot in the dark. All right, if you know this or not. What did this get nominated for at the Oscars? Actors, directors, best picture, uh, editing. Just going off of my shitty memory, I only recall uh, Lynch for um, best director. Boo. I was gonna say writing. Writing. Screenplay. You are correct. It is. It is a best director nod, and that is it. There's no other That's Oscar. It? No, not, no, not even Naomi. I right. Well, Watching yeah. this movie, I'm like Naomi Watts should, should get an Oscar nod I, for this, right? Yeah. Now. For the director, he lost it out because, you know, Mulholland Drive, they're like, I don't know. And it was up against, you know, Fellowship of the Ring, Ooh, Peter yeah. Jackson. Also up against Godford Park, Robert Altman. Up against Black Hawk Down Whoa. by Ridley Scott. Now, those were all the nominations. You want to know what movie won Best Director? Also Best Picture that year for 2000. Probably gonna, uh, see, I don't remember. It's probably going to piss me off. Oh, it's going to. 
You're, the I, Oscars I, are your Super Bowl. It is, and I'm trying to remember the Oscars from that year because I did watch them because I remember, you know, Peter Jackson and everything, but I don't remember if he took it. That that look? No, no. All the ones I listed, they, none of them won. Oh, okay. None of them won. The, the last one I'm going to name, that's going to be the winner. Okay. A Beautiful Mind, Ron Howard. That was the same year? Same Whoa. year. That look of utter disgust on Thomas's face is palatable. <laughs> Here's the thing. I like Ron Howard a lot. And Beautiful Mind, it's not my favorite of his. Mm. Apollo 13 exists. Apollo 13 exists. Willow exists. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. I, I am glad I have found another person who loves Willow. I, love, I recently showed it to my girlfriend for the first time. She never saw it. She's oh, only I like three years older than me. Like just she... Willow fucking slaps. I, <laughs> I love, love that shit. But just like, I grew up on Willow, but and she loved it. It just like... Like, I remember she said something. I know we're going off track. She was like, this reminds me of Lord of the Rings. I'm like, beautiful. <laughs> pretty much everything is Lord of the Rings. Everything. Yeah. Yes. So just, we'll leave it there. But anyway, no, um, I'm not surprised because it's the Academy. Mm-hmm. I only follow the, the Oscars sometimes. I'm not all the time. There was only one, there was only really uh, one real time when a loss hurt the most. And that was when Social Network lost to the King's Speech. Oh, Ooh. oh, King's Speech is a. I think everyone considers King's Speech a bad winner. Yeah, I mean, I liked I, it. I, 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 I liked the movie. Movie. I went to go see but that in the theater. I'm like, what? Like, I'll never forgive. <laughs> out of all of them, for whatever reason, I mean, there's some bias. I'm a huge uh, Fincher guy. Mm-hmm. He's my all-time favorite director out of everyone. But yeah, but that I'm not. I'm. I am. A little annoyed, more than a little annoyed that Lynch didn't get the director. I'm still wounded when they took uh, the best picture from La La Land. See, here's the thing: I never saw La La Land. Believe it or not, I haven't gotten around to it yet. I need to. It's on my list. Don't you worry. You should watch it. Definitely. If you love old Hollywood and stuff, it's yeah, which I do. Such a good so, good nod. Like, uh, but yeah, that's why. Like, I'm I selectively I'm selectively into Oscars. It mm-hmm. depends on the year. Sometimes I'm like, I don't give a shit. Yeah. But sometimes I'm super invested. So it really depends. It's totally random. Like last year, I only, I didn't, most I'll do is, oh, I'll check IMDb. Who won? Oh, cool. All right. I'm moving on. Like, mm-hmm. Sometimes, most of the time lately, it's been that. Because it's it's like how I feel about like IMDb ratings. Like, I don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> like, I'm just going to watch and judge for myself and talk to my friends about it. Yeah. That's it. So... But at the same time, whenever something does win that I feel deserves it, I'm super happy about it. Or like like a beautiful mind, totally deserved to win over <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring. Totally deserved yeah, to win but, over that. But I mean, <laughs> the fact that he won for uh, Return of the King a couple mm-hmm. of years later, yeah. and it was meant everyone at the time was like, I remember that everyone was like, it was kind of like the combination of all threes. And I was yeah. like, okay. That's fine. I feel like eventually him winning and Fellowship winning was the win eventually. Mm-hmm. So I'm okay with Fellowship not winning that year. Beautiful Mind, again, I liked it a lot. I like Ron Howard, but especially for Mulholland Drive. If Mulholland Drive wasn't going to get Best Picture, which it wasn't even nominated, yeah. mm-hmm. should have at least been nominated. Naomi definitely should have been nominated. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but again, that's one of those things where like, it's 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 like when horror doesn't get any nods. Rarely. Thank you. Just like, uh, what was the what was the year Get Out got nominated? Twenty sixteen, I think. I thought that was gonna win Best Picture. 
I thought Get Out was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, so did I. It's uh, not my favorite of his though. Are you a Are you a Nope guy? I am a Nope guy. Here, I, here. I don't. I, I don't trust you okay, anymore. Here, 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 here. I'll, I'll. I'll just, I know we're straying off. There, there was welcome to the podcast. Um, yes, okay, welcome okay, to the okay. Club. Real quick about Nope. Um, it was one of the you know press for Nope. I forgot who it was interviewing. Um, interviewing him, but 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 he said. But the guy interviewing uh, uh, Peel said, um, "You know, I feel like this is your Jaws," and he loved it. Hmm. Nope I, is nope is his Jaws. Okay, and I mean I love Jaws, and anytime we can talk about Jaws on the podcast yeah. is a good day for me. And I see it. I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. I I like I love Jordan Peele honestly because he is like really humble about like himself as a director. When yeah. people are like, dude, you're like the master of horror, and he's like, I will not take this John Carpenter sullying in front of me. <laughs> and I'm like, it's uh, I love that shit. Yeah. Wait, how many times did you see Get Out? In the theater twice after that i think i've seen it three times i i went to go see that in the theater because i was like oh it's gonna be like a fun like horror movie and i watched it and i'm like way more than that so good such a good movie such a good movie how'd you feel about us Uh, i liked it not more than i've I've only seen us once and i remember very little it'd be a 50 50 review from it if i have to go off a memory but i don't even remember half of it Mm -hmm. you know I thought I think you, I think you gotta give Nope another chance. I think you need to rewatch it, especially now with the whole Jaws thing. Mm-hmm. It's totally Jaws. We should watch Jaws too. Yes, Jaws. Well, not not Jaws two, but Jaws, Jaws as, well. as well. I was crazy about all the Jaws when I was a kid, oh, even the bad ones. I was crazy about them. Okay, so we had you, Brandon, right? We had him on the podcast to do uh, what? What was it? Uh, uh, Buck and the Preacher. Buck and the Preacher. Oh. Sydney Poitier's first yeah, yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Great movie, great episode. Yeah. Go go listen to it. Send us money. Send us gifts. <laughs> and he revealed that he has never seen Jaws. Brandon's never seen Jaws. He's not a big Spielberg guy, for one, but he's never seen Jaws. And and he's missing out. Becky Again, almost killed him. I'm excited. I'm like, can I show him Jaws? Like <laughs> I, I mean, I think you're gonna have to like, you know, force him to watch it because I was wearing my Jaws socks that day. I was just like, what do you mean you've never seen yeah. Jaws? And he, not like, you know, I just haven't gotten around to it. It's like, I don't want to. Like, no. If it's playing at the Frida or somewhere, if if you notice, it's playing at this. Okay, we got to get him. We got to get him to go see Jaws. My favorite time, because I saw Jaws, and it wasn't like at a theater. It was at like movie a movie on the beach experience. So it's Lucky. so. I'm on, I'm in the sand. The water's coming up, and we're watching Jaws, right? And it's the middle of the fucking night, and I'm like, "Yeah, no, no, that tide's getting a little close right now." <laughs> that great experience, but yeah, Jaws is one of those movies that just just kind of slaps. And Jaws is perfect. I'm going to use that word. Mm-hmm. I would say Jaws is a perfect movie. Yes. Yeah. I people get really weird when I when we say something's a perfect movie, and I'm like, that doesn't mean it's like great a greatest movie of all time. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's a perfect no. movie. It's it's like the same thing when I say about Silence of the Lambs. That's yeah. a perfect movie. Mulholland Drive. It's a it's a Lynch movie. It's, it's kind of perfect. I was when I was watch rewatching it last night. I was literally thinking, I think this is a perfect movie. Watching Mulholland Drive again, 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 again after <laughs> countless times. You watched it high this time. It really no. accentuated it. Believe it or not, I didn't. I thought about doing that, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't need to watch this one high. Also, it does it for me. I also learned that I can't watch new things high. I'm like, uh, I don't know what's happening. Mm-hmm. I need to be sober. 
But if it's something I've seen already and I love and I'm familiar with, I can totally be high and enjoy it. Like when I saw Raiders, I was I took an edible. <laughs> <laughs> you're like walking in. We're like, okay, if I drop this yeah. 500 milligram, it's gonna hit real hard See, during I'm the a, during oh the man, scene. the boulder's coming right for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm a total lightweight. I didn't even need to. I and I love being a lightweight. I didn't need to. I didn't need. To, it was like I think it was only like six or seven. It was like it's one of the gummy worms that I had to cut into pieces. Are, so, are you sure that the screen was cropped like you were telling no, us? No, I know. Here, I, and I have I have proof. Because in the beginning, the credits, uh, some of the names were cut off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have, and you know. But now that we have this new information, yeah. I gotta, I gotta ask. No, no. Thankfully, yeah, I know for certain it was it was cropped. Because also my girlfriend and my friend Rich, they're like, huh? The, why is the credits? Oh, it's cropped. So I got up and I like, I'm like, I've seen this movie. I know this movie like the back of my hand. I'm gonna, I gotta say something. I don't know if they're going to fix it. They never did. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, no, I, I do think going back to Mahal Drive, I think it's perfect. Naomi should have gotten a nomination. Yeah. At least because I'm still blown away by her performance to this day. She, she She's one of the actresses that if I ever got lucky enough, I'd love to work with just as an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is fantastic in this movie. Yeah. I think everyone's like really good in this movie and it's. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, ah, uh, it's a handicap. They're just acting weird in a Lynch movie. But then uh, it's like, no, no, no. They're they're really good actors who are acting a very specific style in this movie. And more than one style in, in Naomi's case, especially. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's subtle. It is like there's always something that bugged me. I stumble on them. You've probably seen them like on YouTube and social media where it's like greatest acting of all time. And it's always over the top shit. Like and even performances that I love. Like they always show Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood. I've abandoned my child. They always show that and they put overly dramatic music and everyone's screaming in these videos. It's always <laughs> it's always the actors or actresses screaming. And I'm like, uh, that's fine, but good acting isn't just screaming. It's so like again, using Daniel Day Lewis as a prime example here. His, I feel like his best performance in There Will Be Blood is actually after he, spoiler alert, is <laughs> a, is after he uh, kills Henry. Yeah. And he's alone. And he's going through his, his actual brother's journal. Mm-hmm. And just him reacting to that is my favorite scene. It's subtle. Like just mm-hmm. how he's processing those. Because we haven't seen him like that before. And with Naomi and Mohan Drive, it's the same thing. Yeah, the over-the-top stuff is great. Don't get me wrong. But like you mentioned, the audition scene, it's subtle. And especially in uh, the later on, near the end of the film, uh, at the party, her little, like, when so, when an actor or actress is trying not to cry, mm-hmm. I feel like that's harder to pull off than just crying. Yeah. Yeah, she cries. She gets a tear. But she's trying with every mm-hmm. fiber to just hold it in. But you she's can see getting, the rage. She's getting fucking bombarded by first, like she's there already. Yeah. She's already emotional from being just simply just going. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, I wouldn't I would have like not wanted to go to begin with. Mm-hmm. But you're in love with this person, you want to go, but you also don't want to go. She's late. Like she's she's carried up. It's already intimate. Like, yeah. Like, like Kamel comes up to her and is like, come here. Like, she grabs her hand. I think that's such a strong scene when, it you is. know, because you're thinking, oh, she's going to get it. Like, 
she's gonna get what she wanted like oh i love you just but nope and we're up at Oh, I th- no, I think, were you alluding that she's going to get it like how uh, uh, Rita almost got in the beginning yeah, where they're going to ghost I, her? Yeah, I thought they were going to, you know, they're getting out of the car to shoot her. Oh, that's what and, you thought. Oh. Yeah, so I thought, okay, we're we're flipping it. So she's kind of, you know, having the same experience. And then you see uh, Rita or whatever her name is. Camilla. Camilla in the, in the other world, you know, coming down the, the mountain to her. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this is very uh, picturesque, romantic. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, no, here you go. You're at our uh, basically our engagement party. Yeah, it's it's just, just like, like, and she just oh, yeah. I feel so bad. Rip your her. heart out. Just like oh, here's I'm gonna rip your heart out. Oh, I'm gonna peel your heart in front of you. <laughs> oh, and also this, and just it's just more and 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 the only one that's genuinely kind to her is Coco. Yeah, is, which is why I feel like she's like one of the few characters in her dream. That's also nice to her because that one, like, you know, you know, I feel like Lynch shows this, the little, she grabs her hand and she just like, it's mm-hmm. okay. Like a little bit of comfort. Yeah. It, Coco is like, I think she's the only one for one, like in yeah. terms of like how they act in the like last 30 minutes, like the reality sequence, quote unquote, versus the dream sequence. Yeah. She's the only one that's a real one for one yeah. in terms of tone, how she acts, how she speaks. And like the the actress playing Coco, she she was like a golden age actress, yeah. right? Like she yeah. she was like a, a real star of that era. Yeah. I believe so. I, I, uh, her name's Ann Miller. Yeah. Ann Miller, yeah. And she is one of those actresses where I I feel like in terms of that representation, right? She was like a real golden age actress, and she's like accepting Betty in like into the fold, mm-hmm. yeah. being like, "Welcome to Hollywood, honey. Don't worry, you're." You're under the wing of Coco. Yeah. Coco's gonna keep take care of you. It's Have okay. you seen my movie? Have you seen yeah. Coco? It makes you cry at the end. Oh, it does. <laughs> Coco just destroys me every time. <laughs> and and it's it, it's a thing where like every character has this double interpretation to them, mm-hmm. and her across both ends almost is the same thing. She's this very comforting, like classical thing. It's like she's Casablanca. She's yeah. that old movie you can always go back to that's comforting that makes you like. Man, Hollywood can be so fucking nice, mm-hmm. you know, in my dreams, when yeah. it wants to be. Yeah, the the only difference with Coco in both dream and reality is the fact in her dream, she has no relation to her son whatsoever. Yeah. She's just the landlady, and mm-hmm. she's super sweet. She's supportive. She's understanding. She gives good advice. She's not overbearing. She's like, I know there's this, there's this woman in your thing. Like, just, okay, if there's trouble, get rid of it. Like, mm-hmm. just... But you're she is the landlady America needs. God yeah. damn it! Yeah, just like my landlady. I love my. She's she, my landlady is great. But uh, <laughs> just in case she's listening to <laughs> this, in case she's listening. Don't kick him out, please. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, she's the only one that is consistent. She's the comforting part that's in her dream and in reality. Even if it's that one moment, obviously it's the last time she sees first and last time yeah. she sees her. But just. That, that 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 fucking that that party that engagement party scene yeah. is brutal because again i can relate i've been in situations like that you're just seething with heartache and pain mm-hmm. and rage and you're just and but you're surrounded by people and you're just trying to keep it together and that that jolt of that crap i mean i say crash because that's what lynch did on set like he's directing her and they're they're doing if you ever get a chance to watch it if you haven't he I, without he didn't 
tell her when he was going to do that. Mm-hmm. He just says crash on his on his megaphone. So, and she does that turn. I think that was I think that was the last scene that she saw. I think. Cuz I remember like I, I could be wrong. I think okay, that's a wrap mm-hmm. on Naomi, which is a hard scene to end on. I feel. Yeah. yeah. So, if I if I'm right. But no, and then just fuck me um <laughs> this, this movie this scene's starting to hit is no it? i mean it always again like watching it watching it last night i'm like this is oh shit like this is bringing back some shit well, so well that scene it's so like okay this movie is not a very um oh i can relate to it because i was that small town girl that went to hollywood but that scene is like no no it's like just straight up yeah no we've all been like in that awkward situation at the party that just feels weird and i think that's the thing that lynch is really good at in a lot of his stuff where he's like there's these moments that are just like really human in his work like Mm -hmm. elephant man for example is just humanism like human soul just being torn out this whole time with um a racer head it's like that it's okay racer head's weird as shit but at the heart of it it's like it's (laughs) at the heart of it it's it's... fear of fatherhood you know it's like really humanistic emotional stuff in mahal and drive this scene is him being like We've all been in that situation where, like, the woman or the, you know, guy, gal, whatever. The person in your life. Th- that's just, like, you're a good lay, but, ah, you know. <laughs> I met a director uh, and this other woman. Who the hell is this? Yeah. Yeah. Why like, are you making out with her? Like, we're in this really huh? cool like, polyamorous <laughs> thing, you know. It's it's nice, you know. But, yeah, like, that's, that's like, the real key to Mulholland Drive is when it's, like, gets really human. Yeah. Key, ha, ha. Key, ha, ha. Yeah. We should probably talk about what the fuck is the key? What the fuck's Silencio, honestly? I mean, I saw the blue key and I'm like, is that the key to the TARDIS? I'm like, are we are we going to go into Doctor Who next? I'm like, this is awesome. It, it, it does open up a box. It, it does. does open up a blue box. It's bigger on the inside. It, so, I, so, talking about the blue box. Oh, look, it's 222. Oh. That's two. That's that's three today. I woke up at, I woke up and I saw a 1010. Um, huh. Thomas is convinced God is talking to him through numbers. Not, He's not I, crazy. Well, something or someone or whatever. I freaked out when I was watching the movie because they go to when they're going to the apartments to figure out who uh, Rita is. Mm-hmm. It's you know, apartment twelve, and yeah. they tell her, you know, oh, you know, she moved over to seventeen. Mm-hmm. Those are th- those are my birthday numbers. Oh. And I was like, no, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're you're no. like really afraid Naomi Watts and, and Rita are just about to appear into your room, being like, no, the Hello. old people. The, I was gonna say the old people. <laughs> the old people. Really of. <laughs> yes. Oh. Like this can't be happening. So thank you, Thomas. I'm not the only one that you yeah. know <laughs> that picks up on the time. I'm the like, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, the the blue box. Because that is, that is, I think when Lynch is like, I got to turn this into a feature, he's like, we're getting weird, boys. Get me the blue box. Props, blue box. And that, like, what is with that with the blue key? Because the blue key in, like, the reality thing is the hitman's like, when you see this, the that's, job's done. The job's mm-hmm. done. That's the signal, all right? And she's like, what's it open? And the hitman just starts laughing and ha, 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 ha. And it, mm-hmm. for a long time where I'm like, you, he's had to stop to take, like, two breaths during that laugh. That... <laughs> That was going on for a while. Yeah. I would feel very annoyed if somebody just kept laughing for five uninterrupted minutes in front of me. But the blue box. What what is the blue box? Thomas, you know. You've you've been there. <laughs> yes. So and I only thought of this last night while watching it. Like like you said, this is one of the films every time you watch it, you catch something new. So going and this is just me, and I'm gonna do my darndest to describe this. Because it's a raw, it's a raw dream-related emotion. Mm-hmm. 
being someone, one of those, those people that remembers all my dreams. So, uh, I, I use the terms nightmare and scary dream differently for me. A nightmare has always been something emotional, mm-hmm. like, you know, reliving of heartbreak or trauma or whatever. A scary dream is, Oh, there's a ghost here and it scares me awake. Yeah. Scary dreams. I could do just fine, but the nightmares I have a hard time with now. Scary dream is where this, the blue box comes in. Cause the blue box, when she opens the box, which I, I also realize how seamless Betty disappears. Yeah. After she puts the purse down, mm-hmm. like, I I was like I stopped and I rewound it like how I mean it's obvious on mm-hmm. set she just kept walking she, that way yeah. she just walked but behind the camera you don't re- at first I was like wait where'd she go mm-hmm. like I had to like I stopped it and I rewatched like oh she went that way but it's really seamless like oh she's like she literally disappeared in in the performance of the actress playing Rita sells it yeah, yeah. absolutely she's like wait like. Uh, like you were just here like mm-hmm. at first i thought she went this way but no she went at first this way oh. at first i thought she went to the left mm-hmm. but no she went to the right in on set mm-hmm. but it's so seamless but everything changes she's essentially opening the box is what gets diane to start waking up yeah so in my scary dreams going back to a kid to being a kid anytime in my dreams when i try confronting directly whatever it is scary that's happening is when i too it's too much and i always wake up Mm -hmm. i'll give you a direct example so there's always been a character in my dreams that's a hooded figure and when i say hooded i mean like a pullover sweater with the hood on okay and it's always been more implied but like i've had Reoccurring dreams. I've had one at my old place where there's this someone's knocking at the door, and I know this presence is on the other side. You could feel that extreme. If you felt this in your scary dreams, extreme dread, like yeah. overwhelming dread, unknown, whatever you want to call it. And as those dreams have progressed, I have wanted to, in dream, confront whatever this presence is. Mm-hmm. In that dream, in particular. I open the door and I feel it start to come in and that dread gets overwhelming. And then I wake up Mm -hmm. and again, I've had dream. I had another dream of kind of a follow up. I'm at my grandma's old house for some reason in TJ Mm -hmm. and the figure is there. Hmm. It's he's he, it, whatever is just standing there. Can't see its face. And I remember this last time he showed up in my dreams. Knock on wood. <laughs> Thomas is freaking himself no, out. Yeah, of, we're I, talking about Holland Drive real quick. So, and I remember I in the dream I had enough guts to do this. I reached out. Wow. I reached out and that dread came back and I woke up. So I watching this last night, I we go into the box. We open it. That is that confronting whatever that mm-hmm. darkness is. And it's too much and it jolt and it starts to jolt you awake. Yeah. As we know, time is perceived differently when we're dreaming. So it takes a little bit. You know, we get, you know, her aunt coming in, checking the room. The box is gone. It's a different setup. We see her. We see her future corpse. We see mm-hmm. her. The cowboy wakes her up. All the above. And she's she starts to wake up. So uh that's what I feel that the blue boxes mm-hmm. 
obviously in reality the key is just a normal looking key. It's it's not this weird triangle thing. It's not thing. this weird triangle thing. Wait, I've tried to find replicas of that, <laughs> by the way, just to have it. Well, when I saw the weird triangle thing, it reminded me of uh, Man of Steel, the thing that they put oh, into yeah, the, like, oh, yeah, the that's shit. Right. That's Zack like, Snyder, Man of Class. That's what I was like, wait, is that the same thing? I'm like, oh, no, well, it's a key. Yeah, it's just a key. It's just, it has a little moon on it. Like no, just... no, no, no. Rita is a Kryptonian. That's that's his signal. That's it. Zack Snyder. <laughs> exactly. Zack Snyder, confirmed. Fan of Mulholland Drive. Mm-hmm. Confirmed. So does, so does that make the box an alarm clock? Oh, mm, like it's a maybe. wind up alarm clock because that key Cause looks she, like a she, thing that you're winding. Yeah. yeah, she she does have to give it a few turns. It could be actually because that's interesting because the it, that's not, like when we see the first time we see it is in Club Silencio, but the last time we see it is with the homeless figure monster yes. cr- person who is the nun from the nun yes. movies. We, yes. we saw Fun her fact. once. We or, well, we, at, we saw her at the Frida. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, we bumped into her at the Frida. This is cool. My girlfriend is terrified of the nun. Oh yeah, I, I won't watch it. See, it's <laughs> funny because I love the, I like those movies, but they don't scare me. <laughs> They're well made. They're well They're made. Great. They're well made fun horror movies. Yeah. But the the last time we see it is she's holding that box and it's like if that's like the alarm clock then it's like, you know, oh, like she's holding the alarm clock and she's the the monster, like she is, like literally the beaten down dregs. This is like the mm-hmm. broken dream of Hollywood, right? The worst of the worst of Hollywood, and she's holding it, and she's like, "When you wake up, I'm here. Like I'm the real thing. You got to be scared of." Like she, like the monster, the monster homeless person is symbolic in the dream of being. I'm the I'm what happens to, to you when you fail here. And when you wake up, you're going to have to confront that of the failure of Hollywood, of the failure of your dreams. And I'm like, the if that. The failure of your love. Yeah. Exactly. And she's holding that alarm clock. If we call it an alarm clock, that's fascinating. I think that's uh, that's interesting. Yes. <laughs> the blue box. <laughs> the blue box. The, the blue box. That tinfoil hat is so secure on your head right now. I, uh, I love that, my tinfoil hat. That, that's the best shit. It's the tinfoil hat stuff. Uh, but no, I, I feel like that's what the blue box is. It's opening what you almost can't directly confront but mm-hmm. then the homeless you know the, the the homeless man at the end has possession of it drops it and the old couple comes out more shit that you can't directly confront and what happens she's directly confronted with it and at she the can't end, handle it and she can't handle it so she she ends her life yeah that's again i never thought of what the box was until literally last night mm-hmm. uh, like especially how it coincides with her waking up i'm like this is a this is again the dream me reaching yeah. out toward that figure and it's just too much mm-hmm. no matter how brave i feel in the dream yeah i'm like oh i'm gonna confront this nope you can't you're not supposed to you're not, not ready <laughs> you're not you can only you can get tid- you can look at it maybe mm-hmm. from a distance but you can't if you do it's gonna it's it's too much so what happens in real life, you know, it has to end. Yeah. So <clears throat> overwhelming guilt and pain and heartbreak and sad boys. Sad boys. <laughs> <laughs> but they find the box at Club Silencio, mm-hmm. which a pretty sick club with a horrible act because it's just recordings and people lip syncing. But, but, but it's the very, singing's pretty good. It's very dreamlike. It's a clue. Is, yeah. This isn't real. Also, like, again, another thing I caught up, like, the thunder, the fake thunder, mm-hmm. like, her jolting, that's like when you're asleep and yeah. there's an earthquake. And no, there's an earthquake in the dream now. Mm-hmm. I feel like, for all we know, she's taking the snap sleeping 
and there was probably a storm outside. Yeah. And it's affecting her in the dream. Yeah. That, it's, yeah. It's like when you sleep and you have the TV on and then you could hear the TV in your dreams. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, I wanted to ask you, Becky, because I don't speak any Spanish and I don't believe Thomas speaks any. What is she singing? Because it sounds very beautiful and heartbreaking. <sighs> I, I knew you were going to ask me that. I did look it up because I never looked it up. <laughs> but it's like, you know, she says cry yeah. a lot. So yeah. it's just. It's yeah. it's it, the song is essentially in a nutshell, um, pretty similar to what um Diane's going through. Like, I it, it's it's her crying out to someone that she was in love with, mm-hmm. but that person doesn't feel that way anymore. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm okay, mm-hmm. but I'm not okay. Yeah, like you're you're moved on. You found you're you're you found someone else. You moved on, but I totally haven't. Even though I'm trying to fool myself, yeah, and I think I have. And you're just leaving me crying all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like this, the, you know, it, the song, the, the title uh, translated is crying. That's why as soon as she started to sing, I'm like, oh, God, Dean's going to ask me to, you know, <laughs> interpret the song for him. I mean, when you could just pull up the lyrics and, you know, read it for yourself. It's yeah. not nearly as fun. Well, I don't want to do it. Ah, damn it. <laughs> eh, you know. But that's why I'm like, I'm going to make a, a mental note that most of it is, you know, crying. You know, yeah. I, I'm crying. Yeah. It, and it's like this this club Silencio, because this is where she gets the box. This is, I think, and you know, the the singer, she collapses and all this stuff. This is like the la this is when the dream starts kind of breaking apart. Yeah. Also, it, is this the the grown up lady of um Firewalk with me where my sisters, girls, you know, whatever, and she's got the oh. blue hair and you know the It's it's my father's sister's girl. <laughs> with yeah. the blue rose. I'm like, is that her? Are we, you know, is this her in the future? Well, I mean, there is that lady up in the balcony with the weird blue hair thing or whatever. And I'm like, she, I think that's the same actress from Fire Walk with me. I think it is. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm looking and she's kind of looking the same way. And then she has the last line of the movie. Silencio. Sorry, sorry. Everyone, please, please. Silencio. Thank you. That's strong, strong (laughs) stuff. Mm, Put on the ringtone. But it, it's really weird because she's saying silence. I'm assuming that means silence. And it's like you're good. I'm I'm picking this up, <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out like why is it that she gets the last line? Why is this person, this figure, get the last line? Is she representative of something? Because I think she only exists in the dream world. She doesn't mm-hmm. exist in like the last thirty real world minutes, or no, she doesn't. Like what? What is she? Cause... I mean, is it um, Diane, Betty? Finally, you know, she's getting her peace. You know, everything's silenced now. It's not the the craziness of. I wasn't, uh, you know, the starlet that I wanted to be. I, I didn't have the great love that I thought I had. It's just kind of this level field where it's just, it's peaceful now. It's over. It's done. Mm, the, it could be. The dream has come to an end, and this the, is... The dream, the nightmare has come to an end. Also, considering what we see before the stage and then her, mm-hmm. we see uh, Betty pretty much all happy. Mm-hmm. So, with you know, with the, with the Los Angeles background. The yeah. dream Los Angeles, anyway. So maybe her that she she's she'll be permanently, so to speak, in her the dream version that she mm-hmm. wanted. So before things start falling apart at Club Silencio, um, which another thing, yeah, I I didn't think about that. Like that's when the dream starts to collapse essentially because Cookie shows up, yeah. the, the hotel, you know, the the hotel manager in the dream, like oh he's back, yeah. So <laughs> very. It's one of those things where I look at it and it's like this is because Club Silencio is is the out of is the first time we're like okay out of nowhere we're just gonna do some weird shit 
you know and it's that has to be where it's like the dream is like completely starts breaking and falling and not like not structuring anymore because you know i've you know talking about dreams i don't have like normal dream because i'm a lucid dreamer like i i've never had a dream where i didn't know it was a dream i envy you yeah i know i'll tell him like some of these horrible dreams that i have and he's like well boo why don't you just do what i do i'm like what do you do he's like i just fly away he's like i'll have any obstacle and i'll just take off yeah i've had two i've had two dreams like that when i realized it was a dream and i took i started to take control yeah yeah i'm great I'm yeah, but I'm like the opposite. I've only ever had two dreams where I'm like, is this a dream or am I? I don't know. And I was, but yeah, most of the time I like I'm fully conscious of dreams, right? Yeah. But you know, sometimes your brain is like doing things, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go away from like the set, right, that this is taking place in, and it yeah. starts like breaking down. Like signs don't look right, buildings stop looking normal, yeah. and it's not like, oh, this is scary. It's like, oh, I guess my brain can't. Like my brain's an old PS one and it can't render past the draw distance, <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, this it's is all just, low res. It's all yeah, it's all low res. Yeah, well, so I'm at least all it's pixelated. a PS one and not a, like a Dreamcast or something. Oh, oh okay. If it was if it, if I was having like an N sixty four style dream, I'd be like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. This is over. I I can't handle this. But it would be playing like the GoldenEye theme over and over. <laughs> I've, just I, on loop. Yeah, I've, I've had that before where I've had like a weird dream and I'm like. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna be James Bond, and I look down, got the suit on, and then I'm like, do 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 do. Yeah, no, I've 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 weird dreams because always lucid. I I envy you. I know, but that's that's one of those things where I'm like, it's like she's built up this construct, this dream, this Hollywood ideal, I idealized, and Club Silencio was like, well, that's beyond the draw distance. Yeah. Like that's something mm-hmm. that her mind is like, I can't process this because I don't really know what it is, and it's just kind of making it up. Even yeah. down to how when they pull up to it on the outside, like how the cinematography works, like the Raimi cam. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause like, it's like, it's someone like sitting down and they, they do the, they, they, they stand up and then they, they start floating over to, mm-hmm. to the door. I love the little Lynchian quote unquote movements mm-hmm. that he does, especially then, uh, even going to another scene later, you know, in reality, when, She's angrily masturbating. Just that, just ragefully masturbating. It's not angry, rage-filled yeah, masturbation. Yeah, it's rage-filled. But just those POV shots mixed with the sound design of that rumble that we all hear when we're... I don't know how to describe it. At least I hear it. That that jerk off rage, no, you know. No, no. Being like, I mean, I'm like almost oh there, God. and everything. The world's rumbling. No, no. I'm referring to when, when your bones start rattling mid strokes. Oh my God! <laughs> what, what are we doing? <laughs> what? what are we talking about? I'm referring to when you're kind of crying and you like you wince or something, and you hear that deep rumble in your head, mm-hmm. and it's mimicked perfectly. Down to the blurry and the shakiness of that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of took that with like, um, like I think only one time in my life where I've lost somebody, mm-hmm. um, where I've like you know wept mm-hmm. and like you know your body's like actually shaking and yeah. reacting. That's kind of the vibe that I was getting. Where yeah. it's like you know that could be you know something that's just deep and you know visceral in her, but also like an earthquake. You know, it's just her world's crumbling apart. Yeah. 
not you know aggressively masturbating like Dean is you know describing. I'm just saying you said rumble. I mean it could be it could be she's really rocking her world. All right, that's what I'm I'm assuming. Here. I, I don't I don't I don't. Yours think is she, far more poetic. I don't think she's enjoying no what she's doing. No 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 that it's, is a, that is a victory lap right there. She's no. like yeah I fucking got you and that's her that's her victory lap. You know she found the blue key. You know, she found the Cialis there. She knew what was up. Oh, my God. But, yeah. Come on. You got to make light of these dark movies here, people. <laughs> but, uh, fucking, Mulholland Drive is, is a great movie. And, you know, I, I wanted to throw this out there, you know. Um, Sight and Sound has also acknowledged Mulholland Drive is a great movie. It is number eight on the Sight and Sound BFI Top 100 list. Mm. You know, a movie with rage-filled masturbation. Number eight That's on that list. That's the only list. thing he focused in on. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's pretty funny. There was my segue there. I mean, also a little a little fun fact. Um, uh, it's one of my favorite film scores of all time. Believe oh, okay. it or not, mm-hmm. uh, so much that I'm gonna I'm gonna show off here a little bit. Um, in my we're about to get copyright striked. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna look. It's I've I've always had it in my iPod or oh, phone. Oh shit! And you can't. I mean, I've checked. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, can you like? I don't think I checked on Apple Music. It's not there. I have Apple. Uh, music. I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't have Spotify, but I didn't check it. I don't know if it's on there or not. So yeah, I've. I've had. I bought this. I bought the CD, the soundtrack, forever ago. So this is proudly from my original CD rip. That is cool. That I've always had on my phone, along with other things. But that's what I of love those the things. soundtrack. Apple is like, <laughs> God damn it, he's beating. The, he's beating the curve. <laughs> yeah. He's grandfathered in. It's on. It's in my phone. Yeah, no score. Lots of songs named after Mulholland Drive. Yeah, like no, a I, ridiculous yeah, amount. Yeah, looking it up, but no score for some reason. You got to buy it and like physical. You got to yeah. buy the copy and put it on your phone. Or yeah. All right. Well, we're we're getting a little close to the end here, but before we go, I wanted to round something out here because this is part of the Lynchian L.A. trilogy. You know, with um um. The Lost Highway, Mulholland mm-hmm. Drive, Inland Empire, that mm-hmm. L.A. Hollywood trilogy, right? Yeah. Do you think there is – he? because I don't think he's ever confirmed it. It's just people who watch it are like, oh, these all take place L.A., Hollywood, whatever. Do you think there is actually some thematic arc between the three movies? Do you think Mulholland Drive is actually part of some sort of wider scope of Lynch's, of Lynch's career kind of thing? Like is this his like, all right, I have achieved – my masterhood status and this is my masterpiece and goodbye everyone because this is like his last like real movie after this is inland empire which more of like an experiment yeah i mean the only connection i see is is obvious is between you know this and um inland empire is that at the end of inland empire camilla shows up real quick Mm -hmm. but for all we know knowing lynch she would just happen to be local hey you want to be here and throw people off oh Camilla's there <laughs> i mean terry cruz is in the movie yeah yeah so just like i i i never saw them aside outside of being all all three of them in los angeles i never saw them as being directly intentionally connected mm-hmm. i do know that lynch loves la like i always felt like david lynch is los angeles and scorsese is new york like that's mm-hmm. all what i always felt so uh I mean, intentionally, I don't think so, but I can understand like, oh, this is like his Los Angeles trilogy, so to speak. I'm, uh, they all have that kind of dream quality-esque yeah, aesthetic yeah. to it. But this is definitely the the poisonous love letter. 
to yeah. Hollywood and Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if this is one of those movies where, because I know Lynch, he's ostensibly retired from directing like feature films. Yeah. And I'm wondering if this is one of those things where Hollywood's like, Lynch, you, you talked a lot of shit about, <laughs> about the business. All right. You, welcome to the blacklist. I don't know. I, I feel like Lynch, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like because he's so symbolic about it, I don't. I don't think he's blacklisted personally. I think he's just doing whatever the fuck he wants yeah. to do. I mean, I don't. I don't, I'm obviously I'm not saying he's on yeah, a list yeah. somewhere. It's it's <laughs> one mean, of those things. We where did the... just talk about him in the Fablemans, a movie that came out last year. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, the power of Spielberg can bring anybody's career back from the dead. But yeah, I don't but, think he's blacklisted. Oh, I don't. I don't think so either. It's more like a thing where the movie is very like. I almost feel like it's one of those things where it's a middle finger to have, to like the L.A. Hollywood culture of being oh, like you take is. his people and spit them out, right? It's funny because like it's his most like Hollywoody film too. Like all these stars are in it; mm-hmm. they just show up. Like what? Like why? It, it feels high class Hollywoody to me, like compared to everything else that he's made. I mean, for me personally, because like you know, just the way it feels, it just feels. Have recently, which I'll talk to you guys after this, having recently had a taste of what that feels like in real life, not a few weeks ago, it feels Hollywoody, like stereotypical mm-hmm. Hollywoody. Yeah, it's it, it it's so odd, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some execs out there that at the time they were rubbed the wrong way, mm-hmm. especially like. For you know, in making of it, like we don't really know exactly what this is, but go ahead. And afterwards, like any of them that were able to analyze it, like oh, this is like a jab at us. But at the same time, it's so symbolic and a little over the top that I feel like they're like, and he's 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 had so much notoriety of being the weird one out. They just kind of let him do whatever he wants. You know, I mean, yeah, he he got to how however like forever forever time passed until he got to finish his uh, twin peaks more more or less yeah story like it just took him a long time he's like yeah i'm gonna i'm ready now mm-hmm. i i want there to be a twin Peaks season four Me too. so badly yeah, it'd but, be nice but i know so many of like the cast has passed away and like so much of like time has passed since yeah. it came out where i'm like Fucking I don't care. David, you got it. You come on, <laughs> no. David. Come on, David. Stop slow rolling me here. I want to finish the Laura Palmer story. I need closure. Yeah. But as we closure know, closure in a lynch. Yeah, film? I was going to say. I know. And that's what drives me crazy about his work is that I want closure and I don't get it. it it's, I feel there is closure in there. It's just so fucking vague and not symbolic. after the return. Okay. Not after the turn. Okay. The, the, the return's a whole other can of worms we'll get into. But man. And season two. And. I liked season two. I'm like the only person I know that liked season two. I liked it. I like season one, but that's again like this movie. I like the first half of the movie and then we get to the second half and it's like, shit. You you like Lynch when he's coherent? Yes. I mean, I understand that. But being a very long Lynch fan and also considering what, like I said earlier, what he said, like he doesn't feel like films need to necessarily make sense. Mm -hmm. I'll just accept that. I'm like... It's all up to us. Yeah, he, he's more interested in mood, tone, atmosphere, and ideas than yeah. he is in narratives and plots and things like that. And when he does 
coherent narratives, he's we know he's more than capable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Elephant Man is like one of my favorite movies. Yeah. And that's just a fucking dra- period drama. Yeah. It's great. Thank you, Mel Brooks, for giving us Elephant Man. Which, you know, another f- a fun fact okay. about Elephant Man. I'm not sure if you read or know of David Lynch's kind of little... Uh, he, he wrote a book years ago, which is like his kind of sort of autobiography sort of and he and he did and he did his own um uh um ebook reading of it and there there's a there's a little tidbit where he talks about stanley kubrick and how he talks about stanley's one of his favorite directors yada yada he talks no. about yeah who david lynch thought, likes huh? kubrick <laughs> yeah no so he, shit yeah, he, had, he talked he said that lolita is his favorite kubrick film Oh, that is a take. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what he said. He said Lolita was his favorite, but he said when he was he was I think he said when he was starting production on Elephant Man, he he had a mutual friend who was a producer who knew Kubrick, who met with Kubrick, who went to um, Lynch, told him this thing that Kubrick did. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he he said to him, Kubrick said to his, the mutual friend, saying, "How would you guys like to watch? Come over to my place and watch my favorite film." And they said, that sounds great. Like, of course, I'm going to go to mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick and watch their film. And he showed them Eraserhead. Wow. <laughs> and, and I think I think Lynch said, I could have died right there. <laughs> could could you imagine, like in your case, right? It's yeah. like you're, you're going to meet David Fincher. And David Fincher's like, hey, you want to come over? We're going to watch a movie. And he watches one of your movies. And with that, like, what do you do? It, like, <laughs> Dean would die if Kubrick invited him over. I was like, you know what? We're going to watch Vermin. Oh, the dream. <laughs> Boo. Okay. Okay. If 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 Ansel Adams, you know, was like, he's would not you like my favorite? Uh, I mean, I love Ansel Adams, but he's not my favorite it? photographer. Is it, uh, Annie Leibovitz? No. Oh, I mean, she's great too. I can I could probably name like the four out of Henri your top Cartier five. Bresson. Oh, great! By the way, great choice. If, Thank you. If he was like, I I have this book of stills that I would love for you to see, and it was your book of stills, would that just be like? All right, I'm gonna hang up the camera. Oh, yeah. It's over. I'm I'm done. I'd be bullshit. You're pulling yeah. my leg, my yeah. stills. Come on. Could you, could you imagine Kubrick's like? I didn't really like dig a racer head, but I just wanted to be nice to the guy. That would would that just well, crush David Lynch's soul? Well, because you know, because Lynch wasn't there here, just from his mutual friend. Yeah. But just like I just like I still sm- I I I smile whenever I hear that. Just hearing him. I mean, yeah, it's Kubrick, but. No, I I love that that little that little tale. Mm-hmm. Just like yeah, his my favorite film, Eraserhead. You know, his first yeah took him years to make. You know, just that the movie goes from being like it goes from being like really well made production stuff to super weird surreal junk. And it's Eraserhead's a wild movie. I like Eraserhead. I love Eraserhead. I watched it like a month ago. We should watch it again. We'll do it again for the podcast. I'm good. Not a back around. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> Not all right. easy to watch, but I get it. But with that, do we have any final thoughts on uh, Mahalan Drive? Um, again, uh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, a little while ago, uh, I listed it in my ten reasons for wanting to be a filmmaker. Even before I even realized it, I'm a late bloomer mm. in that regard. Mm-hmm. I'm 41 now. I that that didn't start clicking until I was in my late 30s. Mm-hmm. Versus everyone else I know is like, yeah, I was that was eight <laughs> when I knew I wanted to make films. Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, just like I mean, I it was. I mean, thinking about it now, I'm like, it was always there. Yeah. 
but it didn't start clicking mm-hmm. until 2007. That that conscious thing of being like, like, like you should oh, do it. This feels like something I should be doing, but I didn't start doing it in practice until 2017. Like technically 2012, but then here and there. But and thinking about wanting to be a filmmaker, this is definitely on that list for sure. Like, I I, I think it's perfect. I think it gets better with every viewing. Again, I'm happy you want to watch it again. Yeah. Um, I envy. I didn't know this was your first viewing of it. Again, I envy you. It's one of those films, whatever, that I wish I could go back and watch for yeah, the first I, time again. I mean, this month, uh, apart from our bonus episode that we're going to plug, is all entirely new movies to me. That's, so, yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Your your final thought on Mulholland yeah, Drive? Uh, I'm not going to rate it. Because I need to watch it a few more times yeah, to figure it out. Fair. So my thumbs are still very confused. So I can't, you know, give it a thumbs up, thumbs down. But yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I kind of like when movies piss me off because, you know, then I really want to, you know, get in. You want to explore it some more. Yeah, I want to figure it out. So yeah, definitely an interesting pick. And I'll go back to it. As a first time viewer, would you recommend this to people in the blind? Is yeah. there a type of person? Yeah, I mean, definitely film people. I mean, the same thing yeah. with like Stalker, where I'm like, you know, there's a, a niche kind of, you know, core audience for this. Uh, I feel like this is the same way. You know, it's got to be film people, people that are interested in, you know, film studies. And yeah, because it's just, it's a weird movie, but it makes sense. And yeah. kind of doesn't make sense. It's just, it's a little all over the place, but. Yeah, I think that there's a good audience out there for it. And I mean, I went in totally blind. I didn't watch the trailer. I didn't look up anything. I mean, just from the pictures that I saw looking, you know, where I could stream the movie, I thought Catherine Zeta-Jones was in the movie because they look so similar. She looks so close. Yeah. And that's why I was kind of thrown. I'm like, well, who is she? And I'm like, well, that kind of works because who is she? Yeah. She looks like a movie star. She She looks like a movie star, but she has amnesia. So it's like, well, really, who are you? Yeah. Again, I Mulholland Drive, I've seen this like four or five times, whatnot. And every time... I, th- okay, I've seen this now four times. And when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, okay, this is like a two movie. Second time, okay, this is like a three movie. Third, it, four times, okay, it's, it's this movie. Now I'm like, okay, yeah, this is a five-star movie. This movie's great. Like, I don't... I thought you were going to bring up the 2001 story. I'm like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, yes, so you're going to love oh, this. So no. there's a 2001 story I love telling. So Becky... It's okay, I have a Tom Holland story that I'm going to tell uh, Thomas at lunch. Sure. So me and Becky, we're going to go see 2001 A Space Odyssey in theaters, right? It's at Santa Monica. I'm sorry in advance, everyone. 35 millimeter print, like real film print, right? I want to hear this. And she had never seen it before, right? No, it was my first time watching it. 2001 A Space Odyssey, one of my favorite movies ever made. It's probably my favorite Kubrick. We went to go see it at the Arrow Theater. So this this was before they renovated it. So it's traditional auditorium. So we go, we sit down, and we're watching it. And And it's a packed house. Packed house, wall to wall here. And Becky... Gets very like emotionally invested in movies. Like she she doesn't like watch movies. She feels movies, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a thing where it's like I wish I can do that because I get really intellectual watching movies. You like feel it, right? Mm-hmm. And we're watching it, and it's the part where he's going through the wormhole, right? Going through, and it's the lights and everything. The stargates. The stargates. Yeah. Boo! What 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 happened? I had a panic attack because I felt like so I I <laughs> I felt like the room was closing in. It's just there's I no totally sound. Get that. So I, I know I know later on at some point 
I would like to discuss 2001 with you mm-hmm. guys because it's one of my favorites. And I saw it later on in life. We have some plans. So. I saw it in Don't 2017. Yeah. So I was an adult when I saw it. And I had a similar experience. It was an, a Thank spiritual <laughs> experience for me personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I get it. <laughs> and you're not alone on this. I'm, I'm so happy because I felt ridiculous having a panic attack in the no, theater. No, it makes perfect sense. And then, you know, we get out and Dean's like, you know, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like I kind of had a panic. He goes, you're so fucking lucky. I wish yeah. I could have done that. And I was it, like, it's, no. It's one of those things where, where you know, you, you watch it like, ah, oh, it's boring. It's this and that. And I'm like, but it affected you so profoundly. Like it got like a, a that reaction out of you. Like that's like the magic of that movie. Like we finished it and I'm like, are they doing another screening? Like I'll run this fucker back right now. Yeah. They, were doing like, yeah. they were doing like a midnight screen. I'm like, no, yeah. I already had a panic attack. I want the, to go home. And, or when he's like, goes out through the airlock and the sound cuts out and you actually just stopped breathing yeah. during that second. And I was like, I, I, I fucking wish I could do that. Like, yeah, I wish I saw it in theaters. I just saw it at home for the first time. It was our anniversary, so I'm like, oh, he loves this movie. He talks about okay, Stanley I'll Kubrick. Go, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'll get us the tickets and we'll go. And I'm like, oh, wasn't expecting to have a panic attack on our anniversary, but okay, whatever. And he's just like, that's so badass. Tell me everything you felt. I'm like, no, it's just I, like I, I loved hearing it. I'm like, holy shit! Like, is it? Just a little spoiler for when we do talk about it. Yes, I'll leave it at this. My first time watching 2001, at the end, just I was, I'm not kidding, no hyperbole whatsoever. I was sobbing uncontrollably of what really? I just experienced. I, it was a spiritual experience for me. Hmm. And it still stays with me. So I, I the, the panic attack thing, hmm. I mean, it was a mixture of things. Yeah. But yeah, that was my, again, we'll talk in detail later on. Down Definitely. The line. But yes, that was my experience. I envy you guys for seeing it in theaters for the first time. I didn't. I just watched it on my computer with headphones at two in the morning. The way Kubrick intended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on an IBM. Yeah. <laughs> but next week, we're going to be talking about something completely different. We're jumping into October. New month, new theme, and it's going to be all horror comedies. Yes. Horror? Curated by me. Finally. <laughs> yes. Yes. What? What? Do you know what the first movie of our horror comedy month will it be? It is. It's a movie that's near and dear to my heart. It's a brand new movie to Dean. It's not a you know a new movie. It's a very very old movie. We're talking about Arsenic and Old Lace, mm. starring Cary Grant. Your your idealistic man. <sighs> he is a dreamboat. <laughs> but if I you understand, but if you wanted to listen to that, where can they go? If you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault. That is The Film Vault on YouTube. You can like, comment, and subscribe. When Dean finally remembers to upload the slideshow video version of this podcast whenever that is um but if you want to follow us on social media you can go to the film club podcast on instagram where we post daily stories upcoming episodes and random adventures we go on but if you would like to follow us our guest or follow our guest i speak english (laughs) thomas where can they go to follow you oh shit um you know what are you up to what's going on what's your favorite movie if you want to plug anything um i mean i as of right now i just have my personal instagram it's weird it's cryptic it can be moody that's not your thing i get it there's also disney there's also disney i'm a disneyland dork and i'll be getting my pass soon so there'll be plenty of posts from there I'm a photographer, cinematographer, filmmaker, yada, yada. Have a couple of things working in the background for a while. As you know, eventually I'll be sharing that. So it's uh, 
on Instagram, it's alternate, but alt is split up by a period. So it's A-L-T dot E-R-N-A-T-E. Again, look for the moody shit. <laughs> I haven't deleted a single thing. So if you dig deep, deep enough, you'll see my moody younger self going way back to 2010. Um, that's it. Uh, I would like, if it's okay, to share one more little fun fact um, Mulholland Drive related. Well, welcome sure. to the podcast. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, it, it's when Naomi was on Inside the Actor's Studio. Don't know how long ago, mm-hmm. a while ago. And they talked about the masturbation scene. And just, she's just yeah, rattled. I say, yeah, yeah. Because you mentioned it. I'm like, and it was, and it, it, it was them talking about going through that scene. Mm-hmm. And it was Naomi saying how hard that was for yeah. her. And she, she, I'm going to try from memory. I tried finding it on YouTube. I can't find it anywhere. So this is all memory. Mm-hmm. She's just like, she was like, it was hard, obviously, emotionally and physically and she was just like she kept she was pissed off at david she was like fuck you david yeah i can't do this i can't do this and then she and she goes and david goes okay naomi okay okay (laughs) naomi she did she did her 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 lynch uh impression that's I, it. I, I mean, I, I read somewhere about that where the, she was just like, you know, obviously embarrassed because yeah. there's a bunch of people in the room that are, you know, working the scene where they basically put like a makeshift tent over her head so she didn't have to look at anybody. Yeah. And I was just like, that would make Bruh. it more weird. <laughs> yeah. She's like, you mean no one's going to see what I'm, I don't get to see what people yeah. are staring at. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But with that, mm-hmm. we'll see you next week at the, no, wait, you say that. I do, but... But with that... (laughs) We'll see you next week at the film club. Have a good week, everybody. Talk.